our eighth episode for the fifth season, I'll be chatting with Imog Shah. Imog is an ex-CSAPR from the FY20 cohort and now is a global systems engineer covering some of the U.S.'s biggest companies. We'll be talking about his journey into CSAP, how before CSAP he almost became a paper delivery man in Denmark, true story, what it takes to be a top performer, and his aspirations to own a food truck. Enjoy. Imog. Good to see you. Nice to see you too, Nick. All right, man. You came highly touted. You're one of the most popular candidates, so you're gonna you're here to get asked questions by yours truly. So, Imog, I start off every episode the same way, right? I always ask a quote to my guest. So the quote for you here today is by the very famous, very savvy investor Warren Buffett, and his quote is, "It's good to have people in your life who you don't want to disappoint." Tossing it over to you, Imog. Do you agree or not? And if you do agree, do you have people in your life that you don't want to disappoint? I think I definitely agree with the quote, and there's really a ton of people I could think of who I don't want to disappoint, whether it's parents, family, friends. By the end of the day, I think the one person that I really don't want to disappoint is myself. And as narcissistic as that might come across as, it's really not right. Because at the end of the day, there's only one person who's walked through my journey in my shoes, and that's me. So. I I don't think there's any point of you know holding myself to standards set by somebody else. Rather, I just like to compare the present me to the past me, and as long as you know I have grown from there, and as long as I you know hold myself to that standard, I'll be very happy. So yeah, the one person I don't want to disappoint is probably myself. Imag, it's very self-aware of you. I think a lot of other people would say maybe their parents or their manager, but the fact that you can call upon yourself to hold yourself to your old standard, first off, it's very meta. But it's also it's also a really good character trait, especially in an individual contributor role, as the one you're in now. But that's enough of that, Imag. Where does this podcast find you? I am in sunny Singapore. We have three beautiful seasons here. It's the hot summer followed by a hotter summer, and then the hottest summer. <laughs> yeah, man, definitely can relate to that. In Tampa, Florida, also very hot. So I hear you, my brother. So Imag, you you live in Singapore. We all know you work at Cisco because you wouldn't be on this podcast. But yeah, tell us about yourself. Yeah, so work-wise, currently I find myself in a role as a global systems engineer, and my entire team we work with some of the biggest enterprises in the U.S. who have now grown up to be multinational companies and have expanded into the rest of the world. To be more specific, into this side of the world, Asia Pacific. So some of the companies we work with, you've probably heard of them, Coca-Cola. They're one of my big customers. To get that Coca-Cola delivered to you, you're maybe you know using a FedEx delivery service. I work with them too, and maybe you're paying all of that off with a Citibank credit card. So I work with quite a variety of industries, and it's really fun. So yeah, that's me work-wise. On a more personal level, I I absolutely adore animals. I have three cats and a dog back home in India, where I'm originally from. I love traveling, taking long road trips. And I also love cooking. I have a balcony garden right outside, and I love to grow my own produce and use that to cook in my kitchen. So yeah, no, Imag, it's very interesting to see because I think it's important for people viewing or listening to this podcast to understand that Cisco is global, right? So even though you're in Singapore, you work with some of the biggest com- companies in the world, and they're U.S. based. So let's bust right into it, brother. So this is C- Tales from the CSAT Floor. So this whole episode is going to be predicated on your journey in CSAP and what that looks like, and a couple other things too. But right now, let's set the table. How did you find your way into CSAP, and what did that journey look like for you? Yep, sure. So 
taking a step back, right? Well, I, I first moved to Singapore just 15 days after my 18th birthday. So just two weeks after my 18th birthday, I moved to Singapore to a country I knew absolutely nothing about, to a country where I knew nobody, but I did know one place in Singapore, and that was my dream university, NTU. At that point of time, it was ranked number one in the world. And I started studying electrical engineering here with a minor in business. Both of these things sound like they have almost nothing to do with Cisco. And rightly so, I had never heard of Cisco throughout my engineering degree. However, post that, I did a short stint where I was working in the R&D team at Aruba HPE. And that's where I first, you know, found out about Cisco. And I was like, all right, so it looks interesting. They've got some, you know, cool products. And I decided, hey, you know what? I've tried my hand at the engineering side of things, but I'm also doing a minor in business, which I'm very attracted to. Let's try to bring these two worlds together. And so I applied to become a sales engineering intern at Cisco. And at the end of this internship, we had the opportunity to interview for the CSAP role. So I'm very, very thankful to, for that opportunity. And I think that was one of the most life-changing moments for me. Through that internship, I was able to, you know, come into the CSAP program. You know, it's hard to think of the irony that you actually heard of Cisco through a competitor. I'm sure they wouldn't be too happy about that. <laughs> so... And then number two, yeah, I think that's always a, a common misnomer within the industry is that people usually start off doing something different, right? For me, for example, I wanted to be a financial advisor. Then I found out that Cisco was a tech company, decided to give it a shot, and now here we are. So paths converge constantly. But Imak, you know, when, you, when you're studying engineering, what, what were some of the things that you want? And you obviously had the business degree. What were some of the two things that you really liked about that combination? Because I think... That's, to me, I see it as a really killer combination, especially in your role today. Yeah, so I think when it came to the technology side of things, I was not particularly excited about the whole electrical engineering side of things. I realized that a bit too late, but I stuck with it. But what really interested me a lot was the combination of the two. So when I was towards the end of my degree, I actually brought the two together, the business side of things with technology. I remember building this investment program. You mentioned you're into you were into financial advice as well. So I actually built this program on my computer for bringing technology along with business to build an automatic portfolio generator that would help you invest into stock markets. So I think that excitement of really bringing these two worlds together was what you know drove me to this path. I think it's really important to call out there too, Imag, is the fact that technology is an enabler and a, and a very, very strong lever as well. Like you can lever it up to the point where you can move mountains in this industry. So the combination, like I said before, is such a killer mix. But, you know, with the CSAP program too, it's very competitive, right? Like talk to us about the level of competition, the amount of applicants and things like that, that you've had to overcome in your spot that you're in today. I'm not exactly privy to the total number of applications that we had for sure, but I do know that it is a very competitive program because as an immigrant in Singapore, I was competing against people who could be locally hired out of here, whether they were citizens or permanent residents. So that was one of the biggest challenges for me. A lot of companies out there would immediately reject me simply because of my immigrant status here. But I'm happy to say Cisco actually took a chance in me and absolutely grateful for that. You're being too humble. And the reason I ask that question is that you have quite the list of, award, of awards. And I'm just going to go through them real quick. So, Imak, you won the Excellence Award or FY20 for Q1 and Q3. Peer Recognition Award for FY20 and Q1. Benefit Everyone Award, FY20 Q2. Wait, there's more. ASX Global Advisory Board Member, 
APJCSE Innovation Challenge Stage 1 Category Use Case Award by Meraki Portal Counter. They need to change the name, but another award. And then one more time, it's still not over. FY21 Sales Champion, top 10% of the global sales team. Amok, do you have any hobbies? Do you have any hobbies, my bud? Like, what's going on over there? What's in the water? Yeah, one of my biggest hobbies, I don't think I've spoken to you about this, but you've already mentioned it, it's to win awards. Yeah, I absolutely love winning awards. <laughs> no, <laughs> jokes aside, I think one of the things that really drives me today is just passion, right? Like I said, I'm very passionate about technology. I'm very passionate about just speaking to people. It started, I think, back in university when, you know, I really enjoyed talking to people and I joined this group called Toastmasters. Not sure if you've heard of it. And... It was a great place for me. It was a great forum to meet like-minded people, to just speak to more people, understand each other better. And I think being passionate about talking to people is something that really helps me in my current role as well. And the other one, you know, being passionate about technology. These two things really, you know, push me towards driving an impact for customers, whether they're looking for, you know, digitization, whether they want to just use technology as an enabler, like you said. I think all of these things together have gotten me to where I am. Take us back a little bit, if you could, and when you first got into CSAP, what were some of your goals or motivations? You mentioned that technology is a passion of you, so that was probably an easy learning curve. What, what were some of the things that you, you accomplished within the program that have led you to garner all those achievements and even outside into your role today? So I think during my CSAP year, one of the things that I distinctly remember is to kind of you know, push yourself, push myself beyond the boundaries of what the curriculum really dictated. So as part of the curriculum of CSAP, you know, you go through a certain set training, you go through certain certifications that you need to pass. But what excited me in the CSAP journey was a lot to do with expanding my scope in the sales world. Coming from an engineering and business background, sales was not something that I was very familiar with. And speaking with customers specifically was not something I was very familiar with. So I was quite lucky back then to have a few mentors who would, you know, let me shadow them in their in their real world jobs where they'd be going out to meet customers, talking to them and selling successful technology to them. And all of that shadowing, I'd say, is something that really, really helped me a lot during my CSAP year. So I think to the listeners, you know, who are just starting their CSAP journeys, I absolutely encourage you to find a mentor who is not afraid to bring you out to the field. If you don't get a chance to speak, at least get a chance to listen. I think that can help you a lot as well. Yeah, Imag, I think it's a really good call out. And I, I want to double click on it because the CSAP program is unique in the sense that mentorship is kind of baked into the process, right? Like it's almost expected of us to go out there and talk to people because it helps us bridge the gap of our knowledge base, right? Like they definitely look for individuals with a lot of self-agency and a lot of passion, like you said. But Imag... I want you to describe a time where you failed and how that failure helped you rebound into success. Yeah, sure. So I'm not sure if I've told you this earlier, but I almost became a part-time paper delivery boy. And today I'm a sales engineer here at Cisco working with companies that do deliveries, FedEx. <laughs> so let, let me take you back to those university days, right? I was doing a semester exchange program in Denmark during my third year of university. And by this time, I had you know already done and done an internship in the R and D team, so I had done hardcore software engineering already. The engineering side is done, and I decided you know what I want to explore the business side of things as well. So I put in a lot of effort, was very excited, and I applied to this sales engineering internship at Cisco, which was perfectly timed to happen right after my semester exchange program. 
So unfortunately, you know, I was rejected from the sales engineering internship to begin with. I decided, hey, you know what? It's all right. If I don't go back to Singapore for the sales engineering internship, maybe I'll just extend my stay in Europe. I'll do a little bit more traveling because like I said, I enjoy traveling. So to fund these travels, I actually applied to be a part-time paper delivery boy in Denmark. And I actually got the role. I had gone for my interview. I was just returning back from my interview. I had gotten the acceptance immediately. I was returning back. I'm on the train and I get a call on my phone. It's from an unknown number, but I see it's from Singapore. It's plus six five. I pick up the phone and it's Cisco. They say, hey, you know, we were wondering if you're still interested in this sales engineering internship you applied for a while ago. And I said, you know what? Absolutely, I am. Sign me up. So it wasn't as simple as sign me up. Of course, they did a couple more interviews after that. But yeah, all's well that ends well, right? Initially being rejected from it, almost becoming a paper delivery boy. I then did get accepted into this program. And I think that train ride back from my paper delivery interview, I'm not going to forget it. <laughs> uh, I mean, Imag, you strike me as someone who lands on their feet a lot, right? You know, see above all your accomplishments. But can you give us an example where you put a lot of energy into something and it didn't turn out as expected? Yeah, I mean, I could think of a ton. One of the scenarios I can really relate to right now is what happened during my work here at Cisco. There's this one customer, you know, who we found a business gap and we realized that, you know, we can actually bridge this business gap with technology, use technology as an enabler here. But they were not able to buy it because they did not have the budget back then. So this failure really did teach me quite a lot because my current vice president of sales in my organization, Paul Jordan, he says, qualify, qualify, qualify. And I remember for this particular opportunity, we forgot to qualify whether, yes, you know, there is a business gap and yes, we have a technology that can, you know, bridge that gap. However, did you qualify that the solution, this customer really, you know, has the budget to implement the solution? So had I done that, you know, we'd not be there. But yes, I think I learned a lot, you know, through that proof of concept. If I had to, you know, run through the same process as with a different customer, I'd be able to do it while I'm half asleep. I think that's a good story in the sense that as an early career seller, you have so much energy to prove yourself and you want, you'll just lunge at everything. But sometimes it takes patience and judgment to really establish yourself because you need to qualify and try to build out a solid roadmap for the customer while qualifying for the customer as you go along. This is one of those things that you learn with experience and that you understand over time. But Imag, I'd like to pivot a little bit and ask you a little more in the personal, more personal questions. So I was on your LinkedIn and I think it provides insight on how active you are within Cisco, you know, and you are very active. So where do you get the energy and motivation to do all of it? You're not the first person to ask me that, Nick. I'd say I really just have fun doing it. I don't think I need to find the energy and the motivation to do it. At the end of the day, talking about these things, making these short video clips that I post is very exciting for me to you know share this technology with the rest of the world. Imag, I think what's cool about people like you inside of Cisco is that Cisco gives you the outlet to be that for almost be an evangelizer for the product and for just technology in general. And, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, but the sales engineers, they do have a lot of swagger when it comes to explaining technology because you, you guys can do it in such a way where it, number one, it's right. So you can explain it correctly. And number two, you make it interesting for the rest of us. And that's what makes the sales engineer position so unique. What strikes me, and I think this fits into our next question so well, Imag, is 
Are you successful in your in your career right now because it fits you perfectly? Right? Or it's not what you do but how you do it. Do you see where I'm getting at? Then and, and like what other career would you pursue if if not engineering or sales? And I'll truncate the two because you do both. So yeah, back to it. If you're are you successful because this fits you perfectly or is because this is what you do and this is just who you are? I think it's a mix of the two, right? It really reminds me of this Venn diagram you always see on LinkedIn or on any social media platforms. It's about if you want to succeed at something, you know, you have to find the sweet spot, the intersection of, you know, what you love, what your strengths are, what the world needs, and also what you get paid for. And being a systems engineer at Cisco, I feel like it's the perfect blend of all of them. I absolutely love technology, talking to people. I do believe it's one of my key strengths. And the world needs it, right? The world needs... Technology is the foundation of the globe today. And lastly, yeah, it doesn't pay too bad, does it? So I think it's it's really finding the perfect intersection of all these four things. And if not for sales engineering, I don't know if this should come as a surprise. To me, some people it might. To some people it might not if they really know me. I think I might open up a food trucking business, you know? It allows me to travel freely. It allows me to sell. It allows me to cook. I mean, all of those passions together, come on, what better could I ask for? Maybe in a few years down the road, you might find me down in Tampa, Florida, riding my food truck, selling down your Tia Street. <laughs> hey man, Imog and Nick's Cuban, Cuban food truck. Me and you, brother, we're gonna, we're gonna do it. But Imog, tell me about, so what's, what's unique about the position you're in now too, is that you, you have the vantage point, you have that idea of what's going on now. So when I ask you the question of, you know, why sales engineering and why, why not other things, you mentioned a couple other key foundational aspects of it, but what, what gives you energy about the role? And I, I, you know, we know you're a curious person, but what else gives you energy about the role? I think it's mostly just the curiosity, you know, with being in a sales engineering role, you get to tinker around with technology a lot. And I don't mean that old school saying of, hey, I used to open up radios as a kid. No, I did not do any of that stuff. But as a sales engineer, you do get to tinker around with a lot of technology. When I started off my career in Cisco post-CSAP, I was heavily focused on the enterprise networking side of things. And I think with you know being in the sales engineering side of the world, you do not ever have to restrict yourself to just one thing. So while I was restricted to enterprise networking, I was able to also expand my scope into and learn things like security, how the two come together, or collaboration, how does collaboration play a role into all of this. So I think as a sales engineer, what drives me and you know something that helps me be best at this role is simply the ability to switch things up and try to learn things from a global perspective, try to see things from all angles. Yeah, I think novelty and curiosity is such a potent mix in in this profession. And, you know, you have that in spades. But, you know, enough of the Pollyannish behavior for now. Let's get into what do you want to be known for? And what are your next steps and goals outside or inside of Cisco? And I'm going to change that or part into outside and inside of Cisco because I want to hear both. Sure, yeah. So I think inside of Cisco, what I really want to be known for is somebody who is a trusted advisor. In my previous role, I was a trusted advisor to my stakeholders who were within Cisco when I was supporting the sales teams. But now I am the sales team. I want to be the trusted advisor to my customers. 
and to really help them transform their businesses, whether it's you know through technology or even through something else. I always tell my customers, you know, maybe Cisco doesn't sell something. Maybe you just want to have a brainstorming session with me. Let's think out of the box. What challenges are you facing and how can we solve them? It doesn't have to be through us, but even having that discussion, spilling out your words and instead of just thinking it in your head can really help you solve problems because that discussion, that engagement can bring about so many new ideas. So yeah, I think within my role at Cisco, what I really want to be known for is to be a trusted advisor and to help my customers solve their business needs. Outside of Cisco, I think something that I really want to focus a lot on is to just inspire people to pursue what they are fond of. Maybe listeners today, they are passionate about CSAP, but somebody else in the future might be passionate about something else. So I'm really you know, curious and I want to push people to be the best version of themselves, to be a leader and one day maybe even start my own business on the side, be it a food trucking business or who knows, I'd be hiring paper delivery boys in Denmark. <laughs> Imag, I think what's important too within what, what, what you just said about Cisco and the trusted advisor, and that's super important because we all have that caricature of that cartoon of the snake oil salesman, right? The person who's going, who's not, who's knocking on doors and like pouring dirt on your floor and vacuuming up. It's like, see, it's so good. And everyone thinks that, that everyone thinks that that's what I do. That's what all my friends think I do. Maybe not you, but me. So can you walk us through why trust is so important? And I had a manager say that without trust, there's no transaction. And I think that's so true, and this, especially in this environment we are in today. So give us a little color around why trust is so important, why being a trusted advisor is so important. Yeah, I think that's a great, great question. And I think I love that quote, first of all, without trust, there is no transaction. Because it's absolutely true, right? Say, for instance, if I wanted to, you know, go out to buy a car, and I went to a showroom, and this guy comes in with... He, he, let's say he's a representative of a specific car company and he starts talking great things about this car company without ever realizing, hey, he talk, he, he brings me the sports car and talks to me about, you know, wow, this has like 1000 horsepower and this many newton meters of torque. But at the end of the day, that's not what I'm looking for. Maybe I'm looking for a family car. I'm looking for a minivan. So without understanding what the customer wants, you start selling things. It really makes absolutely no sense. And that's why... The, one of the key parts about selling is trust. Hey, I'm going to hear you out first and I'm going to stay with you through this journey until you make a well-informed decision. Even after you've made that decision, you've purchased that car from me, for example, I'm going to make sure that your servicing of this car is going to be spectacular. You're going to have a great experience. And that's what a lot of people often forget is just because I'm a pre-sales engineer, does that mean I disappear after the sales transaction is completed? Absolutely not, because... Your trust is mostly built post-transaction, helping the customer ensure that you know they have a good experience really utilizing a product after the sale has been made. So yeah, I think trust is the foundation of selling. Imag, I mean, I, I like that definition a lot, especially, or your explanation a lot, especially in the pre-sales phase. And I like the call out there too, even the post-sales, that's even more important. Making sure that relationship is still intact when you get to when the gear is on site and it needs to work, right? So very good call out there. But I mean, Imag, you know, I'm asking a lot of questions in this podcast. We're going back and forth. But if you were hosting this podcast and you were, and let's say you were hosting a podcast and you were interviewing you, what is something that you would like to hear from your own podcast? 
or a question or an idea and you know i just throw it over throw it over to you i think something that i'd really love to hear about my own podcast it's coming from someone who was the youngest person on their team i have the, the closest person probably in my team is at least 10 years older than me i think one thing that i'd love to hear from my own podcast and to the listeners who are out there right now who are also perhaps you know fresh out of their university remember that you know age is just a number the, the, this phrase is often used in a more romantic setting that age is just a number but i think it really holds true in your career as well i have had so many occasions where you know people ask me hey how old are you and honestly you can choose to answer or you can choose not to answer this question because it does not matter how old you are you might be young you might be early in career but if you know your stuff if you are passionate about your technology you can do a lot of great things so yeah just remember you can be the youngest person on your team but at the end of the day your age is just a number that's a big call out because you know that that hierarchical approach in the corporate world is always something that we think about like oh you got to pay your dues you got to bid bide your time and wait wait for your opportunity but at Cisco that's really not the case honestly that if you want, as fast as you want to go is as fast as you want to go and as slow as you want to go by all means take that route as well so Cisco is definitely CSAP and Cisco are definitely a special place for allowing you to kind of pick your speed and your RPM if you will this looks like a good place to stop So here's the last question. You've achieved a lot in your career, so young. <laughs> What advice do you have for people who are just starting out and want to progress in their own careers? How can they best position themselves for growth and advancement within their own professional career? Yeah, I think that's a great one, Nick. We've discussed something on this line before, and if you check out my Webex status, you guys listening right now once you join Cisco, look at my Webex status, it never changes, and that's the that Webex status is what I think is the best advice i can give anyone your network is your net worth explore really you know as much as you can and meet new people because there's definitely something that they can offer you and you can offer them somebody you know once told me right if you are two people each of you knows how to cook one recipe and you both just stay quiet both of you are going to only remember learn one recipe but if you were to exchange recipes both of you benefit out of it both of you have two recipes now and i think a lot of early in career professionals often have that question in their mind hey look this guy he is a director or he's a vice president he has a lot to offer to me but what do i have to offer to him it looks like you know a little bit of an imbalance but it really does not matter it's just that unnecessary doubt you have in your head if you are coming into this career as a fresh mind i think being a young early in career professional you can bring in a lot of new ideas that nobody would have ever thought about so yeah just expand your network because your network is really your net worth and i think that's the biggest advice i can give to anyone to you know position themselves for growth in this role imag thank you so much for the podcast my brother i really appreciate you i always end it the same way congratulations on all your success and everything you've achieved i can't wait to see what you do next and i'll see you at Cisco Impact my brother so come find me yes we will it's good talking to you all right thanks mate